0: 10-2. and I got to say, that was quite the season Penn State had for all the low expectations they were given.
1: You are Locked On, Nittany Lions. Your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
0: Today's Locked on Nittany Lines episode is sponsored by Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering from the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com using promo code On at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Full 2020 season recap of Penn State football and I welcome on a very special guest to do just that. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. My name is Zach Seiko, your host as always, and joined by a very special guest on today's episode because we got so much to talk about with it being the end of the regular season. Penn State beating up on Michigan State, thirty-five to sixteen, final home game for Sean Clifford, and we're gonna break it all down. And that is Maddie Fresh. On the other side, Matt Freiler, some of you know him as, but he is world renowned for his songs, Jahan Dotson, Saquon Barkley, Trace McSorley, and maybe you have one lined up for Olu Fashionu since he just recently announced that he's coming back for another season at Penn State. Matt, thanks for joining me here on the show.
1: Yeah, actually, dropping an album about the T formation. I love that formation. It's the best <laughs> offense we run. I think it should be our base offense. So I'm going to drop a whole album about it and then, uh, Olu has gotta be on there, right? Because he's uh he's pivotal in the T formation. So
0: he's the anchor next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's great to get him back. We're gonna talk about all of that, uh obviously in upcoming segments. So the twenty twenty two season. The 2023 season, the outlook for that, and then where we think the uh, Penn State Nittany Lions are going to end up in a bowl game here, plus everything that's just kind of relevant to Penn State. This is basically a lid for the 2022 regular season uh, with everything going on. So, uh, first, Matt, how you been? It's been, uh, been a little bit since we caught up ourselves. It's kind of
1: bummed that it's the end of football season already, man. We live for this, right? And uh, just kind of reflecting on college football regular season this year, um, some really good moments for Penn state, obviously, you don't have that signature win, but you have 10, uh, really fun Saturdays that we all got to enjoy some, uh, some blowouts, some really good football, some domination. And then obviously mixed in there were, were two head hangers, but yeah, I think today I'm just kind of like looking back, uh, trying to understand that on Saturday, we won't have a full 12 to 15 hour slate. Um, which is always just rough to know like those Saturdays they come and go so fast, but we got some conference championship games coming up and then the bowl game will be highly anticipated this year. So looking forward to all that.
0: Yeah. It's not going to be quite the same. I know now I do enjoy the bowl game slate. I will admit that. Um, and then how can people connect with you online, find uh, all your stuff and projects that you're working on?
1: Yeah. So Matty Fresh on Spotify, Apple music, Amazon Music, wherever you get your uh, music. And then Maddie Fresh TV on Twitter and Maddie Fresh Tunes on Instagram and TikTok.
0: All right. Awesome. And of course you can follow the show at locked on Nittany on Twitter and on YouTube, locked on Nittany lines. Please subscribe. I'm so close to getting the channel to 300 uh, subscribers. There, really appreciate it. If you drop a like on the video comments, any feedback, any questions that you have for either of us, why not? Uh, And then be sure to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Okay. So you mentioned, you know, the 10 and two regular season. When you look back on where they were in August, did you think this was a 10 and two team?
1: Yeah, I think if you looked at the slate, I probably would have gone nine and three. And the reason for that being, I just figured that it was going to be tough for this team to bounce back after a loss, um, because that's kind of the history they had shown us. And I think you have to give this staff and these players a lot of credit considering they rewrote the narrative this year of not losing again, um, they handled who they were supposed to beat. Um, they were pretty good against the spread as well. Um, I know there was a video that went out and people were trying to read Sean Clifford's <laughs> lips saying, we have to cover.
0: We got to cover.
1: We got to cover. Well, they pushed for me. I had the 19. Uh, that was a push for me. But Jake Penninger makes those two field goals. Maybe we cover. But, um, yeah, I think I think I would have gone 9-3, and three, so – I would absolutely say exceeded my expectations from a record standpoint. But even, even beyond that, um, the way that this team was able to look in their wins and to completely revitalize the running game, kind of overhaul the offense from a standpoint of the run game. I felt like the run scheme was a lot different this season. And some of the new things you saw, like the T formation wrinkle, um, which was effective And just some of the other stuff Mike Yersuch was able to do, and then obviously adding Manny Diaz on defense. Um, This is a 10-2 team, but a 10-2 team that looked really good, and I think a 10-2 team that would be still neutral site favorites tomorrow against all but maybe five teams in the country. So um, with all that said, yeah, very successful season, definitely exceeded my expectations.
0: Yeah, some people obviously give the argument that this was a letdown, and I had a a video on that discussing that very question. Was this successful or a letdown? Well, nobody had this team get into the college football playoff or the national championship. So if you're going to consider it a letdown from that regard, I think that's pretty rough given the fact that Uh, There was a good portion of the fan base and the college football experts, as people like to call themselves. Oh, they're 7-5, and maybe at best 8-4. and There's no way they beat Purdue. There's no way they beat Auburn. And then there's probably a surprising loss here and there because it's a James Franklin-led team. So I don't know where that came from because ever since James Franklin got his scholarships back, this team's won a Big Ten title, gone to three New Year's Six Bulls, And other than the COVID season and last year, which was certainly a rebuilding year, James Franklin's been pretty productive at Penn State, to to say the least. So for them to get back to 10-2, and uh, for Sean Clifford to have his best season, given that they had two true freshman running backs, um, they definitely had the best offensive line that they had, uh, and Manny Diaz replacing Brent Pry, who's been with James Franklin and company for seven years up to this point. And you factored in how many freshmen, into the game, into significant roles, right? You didn't just have, oh, they're playing, you know, quality special teams. No, you got Drew Aller, all the experience that apparently he can only get better when he plays in live action. He, do- he doesn't get better in the film room. He doesn't get better at practice. He doesn't get better in the uh, weight room. He only can get better if he comes in in the second or third quarter against a MAC team. Uh, and then you have Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen, who are probably going to be Heisman contenders next year, both of them. You had... Uh, guys along the offensive line that cycled in like Drew Shelton for not necessarily the best reasons with the injury to Olu Fashanu, but you got him out there. And then Abdul Carter, deny Dennis Sutton, uh, you really – Zane Durant, this defense is going to be locked and loaded even though they are going to lose guys like Joey Porter Jr. Uh, and Jair Brown. So my point now is that they've closed the gap to Michigan and Ohio State. I know what Michigan did to Ohio State this past Saturday, but are we on the same page here that Penn state is a lot closer to those two teams and could retake the big 10 East as soon as next year, if all goes well in the off season.
1: Yeah. It seems like this year, um, the way that the big 10 looked, it was kind of like three teams and everybody else. Right. Yeah. Um, there was that, that tier where um, clearing away Penn state, Michigan and Ohio state uh, were just so superior to the rest of the conference. And, Um, I would like to say it would continue that way, but you have USC and UCLA joining um, here in a few years, what 2024, right, would be the first season that they're in. So really I would lean towards the divisions probably going away after that. And the big 10 doing some sort of like protected rivals and then your top two teams go to the conference championship. But, you know, we still got another year of this and um, for the 2023 season with all the talent coming back and hopefully I think the key is you have to retain Manny Diaz. I know you have a lot of stud players on the defensive side of the ball, but if Manny Diaz is rumored to be taking any kind of head coaching job that may open this off season, that's going to be tough. So you need to pay him and you need to retain him the same way you somehow retained Olu Fashanu. I I don't know how they were able to pull that off. That was shocking to me, but it needs to happen with Diaz or whatever it takes. I know, I read a report that he uh, he bought Brent Bry's house last year. I didn't know that. That's pretty yeah, cool. But I saw that too. Um, yeah, Manny, um, like I was just thinking the other day, I don't know if I – and I follow the team closely. I don't know if I've really necessarily seen like one Manny Diaz interview or like deep dive or feature. He seems like a really quiet guy and just kind of goes about his business. He's not very flashy, right? And um, obviously he's had his press conferences and things, but – he's just kind of like, you know, very low key. And, and you wonder like, is he, is he doing this because that's who he is or is he just doing this? Cause he doesn't want to get too, too involved with Penn state knowing it might be just kind of a stepping stone for him. to get to come in, put his head down, do his work, get another head coaching job. Right. Um, a lot of other coordinators, you see him kind of get involved with the community and being very vocal um, associating very closely with James Franklin, but He just may not be that way. He just may be uh, kind of a a low key guy and that's fine. You know, I don't, I don't mind, but yeah, I wonder what Manny Diaz. I think that's going to be key to the 2023 season um, because obviously the scheme is working. Um, They're very aggressive on defense. And um, I think that's something that all of us loved watching the Penn State defense this year, time and time again, um, creating short fields for the offense and flying to the ball. And just in the secondary, just I think Kaelin King tied for, you know, most pass breakups in the country. Um, Abdul Carter with six and a half sacks. I mean, you can go on and on about the accomplishments of this defense. I think that there are top five defense in the country. Um, Not even speaking statistically, I would just put them, I would put them there if I had to rank the top five defenses in the country from um, a talent standpoint. But yeah, you bring a ton back from that side of the ball. And I think that's a huge key for 2023 is to keep keep Manny Diaz in town.
0: Matt, let's take a quick break here on Locked on Nittany Lions. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more about the 2022 season. Saying goodbye to Sean Clifford. Uh, and I want your offensive and defensive MVPs. And we're still going to talk about the future as well, where Penn State's going to play in a bowl game. That's all coming up next. Today's episode is sponsored by Omaha Steaks. The holidays are here. Achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tendered and delicious Omaha steaks. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together special curated gift packages to help take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and check out to get $30 off your order. Send an assortment of mouthwatering favorites guaranteed to impress like the legendary Butcher's Cut Filet Mignon air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra-juicy burgers, and even easy-to-prepare comfort meals that are ready in a flash. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering from the very best. Visit OmahaSteaks.com, use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard, behind the scenes. With experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Day available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. My name is Zach Saco. I am joined on a very special episode with a very special guest, Matty Fresh, Matt Freiler. Again, go check out his work, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, uh, to listen back to Trace McSorley, uh, one of my favorite songs, Jahan Dotson, Saquon Barkley, all your other work as well. Uh, and with the new stuff, do you have anything new that you want to tease? Anything that's in the in the works?
1: I can't give too much yet but okay. there are definitely yeah. definitely some things in the works and I had you're a lot of lab. long drives. Yeah, I had a lot of long drives lately a lot of travel and usually that's when I do my best work when I'm in the car driving across the country or going from place to place but yeah, I think 2023 is going to be uh going to be a lot of fun for for my fans. So.
0: Awesome and I appreciate, you know, you're just as much of a diehard Penn State fan as I am. Uh and now it's the polarizing topic. Let's get back into it. Sean Clifford Well, the Sean Clifford haters were mad on Saturday, 19 to 24, 202 passing yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, no fumbles. Uh, And Sean Clifford ran into the tunnel, hugged some fans, was pretty amped up um, and and had a really good going away party, uh, if you will. Uh, he is the most polarizing, one of the most polarizing quarterbacks, I think in Penn state history. I think that has to do with the internet, social media, wherever have you, where you have more than just reporters, you have more than just journalists that can scrutinize him and have, you know, that feedback, those comments blasted wherever. Uh, whereas in the old days, you got to look at a newspaper article, uh, and decide, because I know that Anthony Morelli, not a lot of people liked him. Uh, I'm sure that Zach Mills got the same kind of scrutiny, uh, as well, uh, when, you know, he had his up and down performances and he, I mean, even Trey, I remember Trace McSorley getting booed at points in time. It was after that Michigan game. That never Him happened. And... Come on. <laughs> so, uh, nobody, nobody's safe when it, when it seems like, and it's the same thing. So Drew Aller to Sean Clifford, Tommy Stevens to Trace McSorley, right? Uh, it, it was, uh, look, I get it, but Sean Clifford was a good quarterback, and honestly, outside of JJ McCarthy and CJ Stroud, how many other schools would have wanted Sean Clifford as their starting quarterback? You you can you have to say because it is fact. It's not an opinion that Sean Clifford was the third best quarterback in the Big Ten. Okay, uh, but that's you know, but that is the case. But look at that though, CJ Stroud. J.J. McCarthy, if they're the one and two, look at Michigan and Ohio State. They were the one and two, uh, interchangeable. I think you play that game ten more times. Uh, they go six and five, five and six, whatever have you, between Michigan and Ohio State. Besides the point, what your overall thoughts on Sean Clifford, what he's done for the past four years as a captain, as a starter, uh, and if he's actually as bad as everyone makes him out to be.
1: Yeah, first of all, let me say, if – If you boo, it's one thing. Uh, If you were vocal and demeaning and just nasty about Sean Clifford, whether that was on Twitter or some of the people that I heard in Beaver Stadium, even, you know, Saturday, um, you, you should be ashamed of yourself because this is a guy who blood, sweat and tears for six years in this program. And this is what Penn State is supposed to be. Um, this is what it means. And, and Sean will say consistently, I'm just a spoke in the wheel and I'm, I was glad to be part of it. He understands that Penn state is bigger than him. And there had been quarterbacks who came before him who may not have understood that as, as well. Um, not just quarterbacks, other players in the program who, um, didn't quite grasp that of what, what Penn state football is. And obviously I've been watching this program my whole life and I understand the traditions and I understand what it means to play Penn State football, and Sean Clifford defines that. Um, he is a leader, and he is a man in the arena, as they used uh, that term. That was I yeah. thought that was really cool when PJ Mustafer said that. But you know, there was a lot of people in this fan base that were were irritating this year, talking about as soon as we lost to Ohio State, shut them down. Let's just get ready for the future. We got nothing left to play for. You should be ashamed of yourself if you thought that. This is a 10 and 2 football team that now has a chance to potentially play Clemson or potentially play somebody in the New Year yeah. 6. Nobody in the country would look at their season and say, "Uh, New Year 6 bowl like maybe who? Alabama and Ohio State are the only two I can think of that may end up in New Year 6 bowls and hang their heads about it." But that's two of 130. In the FBS, that would that would be disappointed. And not only did they make a statement these last four games, they played themselves in the eyes of the committee back into the New Year Six conversation. Like the committee will realize the work that they put in. So, you know, there's a lot of people hopping back on board now like, oh, you know, I, I kept receipts. I'm telling you, and I'm coming after the season. I'm coming for you people on Twitter who ragged on Sean and said this and that. If you want to be positive about Drew Aller, great. I want to see him play too. He played in 10 games this season. But I've already started to do it, and, and yeah, those people should be ashamed of themselves. The people that quit on October 29th and the people who quit on Sean Clifford, he never quit. And I know there's a fire inside him, even though he has to say, yeah, I understand if everyone – um Booze once in a while and he was very professional with how he handled all that but i know there's a fire that burns inside him that seems like he plays right like in minnesota he was booed he came out and played really well senior day he comes out starts a little bit slow comes back to throw four touchdown passes so it does it fires him up and i also think sean did a very good job over his four years tuning it all out or over his four years starting and, and two years before that just tuning it all out uh he did that better than i think a lot of people could so no, he is, he is what you'd want Penn State football to be. And the only criticism I would ever have of him is that it just—it didn't seem like he developed over the years. It just seemed like he was kind of just a good quarterback that hit his ceiling early, and you knew what you were going to get. And I just wish that it seems like when they were talking about that second year in the offense where they kept hammering that home in the offseason, this is the second year with Yurcich, well, it seems like we, we turn in more of a running football team. And, uh, you know, you see a lot of first down runs with Mike Yersich, right? And and a lot of times this offense gets to third and long, and you're thinking, you know what, I actually trust Clifford on third and long. Seems like we convert a lot of third and long plays, and it's because the pass game is good. So I just feel like last year when he was throwing the ball 50 times a game and we were depending on the pass um, – the, the second year of him being in the offense was more of now we're going to pound the ball. So I don't know if he really got to show what he was capable of, honestly. And he threw 22 touchdown passes. So yeah, I would have, that's the one thing I would, I would say is I would have loved to see if this was a passing spread offense and we didn't have two stud running backs. Um, what it would have been. Now, a lot of people would say, Oh, we would not have been as good this year. Probably true. Cause the run game propelled us to a lot of wins, but. Yeah, I, that's what I think. I mean, you're giving 30 carries a game to the running game, and you're getting 200 yards, and we're good rushing team. So you wonder if you had to throw the ball a lot, what would have what would have truly happened? But.
0: Yeah, and a couple couple notes from that. I mean, Drew Aller, as talented as he is, throughout the 2022 season, who was the better quarterback through the 2022 season? At this given time, it was Sean Clifford for whatever the reason, and Penn state knows this. I mean, they see them in practice every day. They saw them in all the, you know, in all the lifting and all the film study Uh, drew definitely. I mean, he jumped up the depth chart, right? I didn't expect him to be the number two quarterback. The fact that he did that shows that he was capable and that Penn state felt comfortable with him coming in if they needed him to. And, and he did uh, for when Sean Clifford had to take a playoff uh, for whatever he got banged up or they got to get him in some garbage time. Um, but also, I mean, Sean Clifford led them to a New Year Six Bowl victory. I'm not going to count 2020 honestly. The game, instead of it being that midseason loss, it was that early season loss. They don't lose to Indiana on that two point conversion. I think it's totally different, and that's just that's kind of the emotional roller coaster that you can maybe criticize James Franklin led teams for. Uh, that's that's a fitting case right there. It just happened to happen against Indiana, and then 2021 if he doesn't get hurt against Iowa and then there's that mid season loss again, who knows, who knows what's, uh, what's different. Even though that team was very much flawed. Um, I have to argue that on paper, that was a nine and three, 10 and two team. So that just seemed to be the case that the ceiling with these Sean Clifford led teams were two, three losses. Realistically, if, uh, other things hadn't happened, if other players hadn't been injured, if Sean himself didn't get injured, uh, they could have been playing for a lot more, but uh, that's neither here or there. And he's got, he had this final year to kind of prove what he was. And he's a good solid quarterback above average, but you're right. He definitely did hit his ceiling because um, there's parts of him that just athletically, you can only, you know, you can be the smartest guy in the room, but athletically he was only going to get so much better. And he's 24 at this point. So he doesn't uh, get any more time. Uh, I want to ask you before we go back to a short break here, Matt, your offensive and defensive MVP. Maybe you have a couple of them, but who are the guys that get the nod that really made the each side of the ball so much better?
1: Yeah, I'll make it simple and go one on each side of the ball uh, yeah. offense. I got to go Kate, John Allen. Uh, I think that there was a lot of hype around Nick Singleton and there should have been right. Amazing season led the team in rushing, broke the freshman touchdown record. But I think from a standpoint of valuable Nick Singleton, once uh, Kevon Lee had his struggles and was injured, you knew Nick Singleton was going to be the guy. The depth that Catron Allen provided and then eventually becoming a carry share to where it was thunder and lightning with the two. If you don't have Catron Allen this year with Devin Ford leaving and the things that happened or if Catron Allen would have been injured, we would have been in a tough spot. And the changes pace that we have with those two guys, they're both incredible. They're both going to be back next season. Catron Allen for me, incredible year. Downhill runner. Tough guy. Kind of reminds me of that old-school, like, Larry Johnson type of running back. Just love to see it. Uh, that's Penn State football right there. Kind of smash-mouth old Big Ten football. He loves to do it. Really hard to bring down. So, him on offense, defense, got to go Tig Brown. Um, man, obviously, a lot about Sean Clifford and we're talking about him now. But uh, being up in the stadium on Saturday and, and watching that Tig and Sean embrace, that got me emotional. Uh, Tig, Tig Brown coming from Lackawanna. Uh, just His story is just incredible and, and never getting a D1 offer um, and, and having to go through junior college and now turning into probably a first or second round pick uh, right behind Jaquan Brisker was incredible. I mean, who, who has caused more turnovers between the, the interceptions and the forced fumbles and just the impact that he made? Led the team in tackles this year all over the field. He, every time he came out, I was standing up yelling, why is he off the field? I know he's tired, but just he's the most valuable player. He's got to play. Um, and and take played a, a million snaps, it seemed. And, and he's the guy, and, and he'll be missed. Um, and I think he, his impact in Briskers, the same way Jaquan Briskers' impact was felt on Tig Brown, is going to be passed down to guys like Zaki Wheatley and Jalen Reed and Keaton Ellis. And you're going to see those guys ball out next year because they got to play alongside Tig.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, and Mel Kiper Jr. has Jair Brown as the number three safety uh, on his big board and kind of like Jaquan Brisker, I expect Brown to go in the second round and be one of the better defensive prospects. I mean, Jaquan Brisker's leading just about every defensive category you can think of for a rookie defensive back. If I had to throw uh, two out there for me uh, on offense, maybe this is a most improved player more than an MVP, but Just because he was Mr. Reliable for Sean Clifford and he did all the dirty work in between when he wasn't the main passing guy, Uh, that's Brenton Strange. When Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren were banged up, Brenton Strange did it all. Multiple touchdown games. Uh, He was the third and short, third and medium target where Jahan Dotson was always that. Brenton Strange kind of picked that up since you really weren't getting it as much as you thought you would have from a Mitchell Tinsley or a Parker Washington. It became Brenton Strange. And it felt weird thinking, OK, Brenton Strange might be the third man in this tight end room behind Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. And that wasn't the case. Brenton Strange was always kind of the best all along. Uh, defensively, I'd have to go with the kind of the same thing you said about Abdul Carter. Or Excuse me. I mean, it, my pick is going to be Abdul Carter. But what you said about Katron Allen, I think defensively, if you flip it over. For him to come in, he forced his way into the starting lineup. You move Curtis Jacobs over to the on-ball linebacker where he played last year, and then because Abdul-Carter was too good to keep off the field. And statistically, he's better than Micah Parsons at this point. Uh, athletically, and if you want to look at it, you know, compare the two of who might be a better football player, well, you're going to say Micah Parsons now because he's a second-year linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but when the overall resume is finally put together, Abdul Carter is further ahead than Micah Parsons was at this point. So I hope that Abdul Carter has a bigger ceiling. I, I hope that he doesn't, you know, he hasn't already kind of met that level, but you know, this is a good level to be at. I hope that he can expand upon it because there was so much untapped potential for Micah Parsons when he slid back from DN to linebacker and Abdul Carter kind of has a little bit of a head start since he did that in high school. He played middle linebacker and at that second level. So I think that him being a part of the defense and handling so much responsibility as a true freshman is what helped Manny Diaz's company uh, be so sound on that side of the football. All right, Matt, let's step aside for just another moment. Uh, When you and I come back, we're going to talk about where we think Penn state will end up in a bowl game. Again, that's decided December 4th. It's coming up very quickly. And then more of that 2023 outlook where we think this team can finish. It is locked on Nittany lions. Welcome back to Locked on Nittany Lines. I'm Zach Saco, your host as always. Uh, very privileged to be joined by my esteemed guest, and that is Maddie Fresh. Uh, like the channel on YouTube, Locked on Nittany Lines. And of course, subscribe to Maddie Fresh on YouTube as well, Spotify, wherever you get your music. Of course, uh, and the same thing, wherever you get your podcast, you can do the same for Locked on Knee Lines. All right, our final segment is we've addressed a lot from 2022, and you and I, we're going to we're gonna be a little over 30 minutes today, but you and I could do this probably for 90 minutes if we had to, to uh, really get the full perspective of it. Now, Penn State's going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. That's all but guaranteed. It's just a matter of which and where. Uh, Tulane, like, are they really going to put Penn State and Tulane in the Cotton Bowl? Like out of all the teams, because that's where all the experts are projecting them. But I, I I hope they don't do that. I'm starting to hear that it's going to be the Rose Bowl because of a couple things. One, this is about putting butts in seats and, and putting eyeballs to TVs and getting sponsorships and everything. If the Rose Bowl knows that Michigan is going to be in the college football playoff. Now, if they were to lose to Purdue for whatever reason, that would be a different story. OK, that's that's just the case. Uh, Michigan would probably fall out of the college football playoff. Uh, But let's assume that they're in, they're safe. They don't want Ohio State because they took them last year. And it sounds like C.J. Stroud is only going to play for Ohio State. He's not going to opt out unless it's a college football playoff game. And if they were to play in the Rose Bowl, which is not that, he's going to opt out. So why would the Rose Bowl take Ohio State when their starting quarterback might not be playing and they had them last year against Utah? uh, And you could very well get Utah again. In the uh, as the Pac-12 representative in the Rose Bowl. So that's what I'm hearing, since Penn State hasn't been there since 2016. Um, my personal opinion, I thought Penn State was going to go to the Orange Bowl against the ACC champion. I've been beating that drum for a while, most probably because I want to see them play Clemson. I think that would be a great matchup for them, and it's a team they haven't faced since the late 80s. So what are you hearing, or uh, where do you want to see them play uh, in the postseason here?
1: Well, if C.J. Stroud isn't playing for Ohio State, I'm going to use the same logic. Guess who's not playing for Tennessee? Hendon Hooker. And a lot of people aren't realizing this. Tennessee is without their starting quarterback. I don't care who you are, the NY6 and the committee They look at these things, and they it's not just about the college football playoff rankings. There are stipulations in these contracts. I just read it today about the Rose Bowl. I'm sure you did as well. They don't have to take the highest-ranked team. They would like to if it's ideal, right? But they don't necessarily have to. If there's a cluster of teams, they can pit a good matchup together depending on several factors. So, I mean, Ohio State, though, like – they might look better without C.J. Stroud. I hate to say it, but with how terrible he looked against Michigan, maybe you throw Kyle McCord in there, maybe maybe they look better. I mean, Stroud was miserable on Saturday, but that's besides the point. I think they'll use the same logic. Every projection I've seen is Tennessee and Clemson in the Orange Bowl. I seriously think, colors aside, right, because they'll be like, oh, two orange teams in the Orange Bowl. Yeah. Colors aside – I think the Orange Bowl would prefer Penn State for a couple reasons. A, you don't want two teams that just lost to 8-4 and South Carolina playing each other because it's going to turn into the narrative of the game. Mm -hmm. It just is. You can't can't avoid that. And B, if you really think about it, I think what I read is that the Orange Bowl took three SEC teams and two Big Ten teams in a certain span. I think they have eight years where they have to look at games in which they aren't a college football playoff semifinal, right? So I believe last year when Michigan played Georgia, they were a semifinal. So that doesn't count. The eight years that they are a New Year Six Bowl and they're not a semifinal, they have to take three SEC teams, three Big Ten teams, and then I guess the remaining two could be either SEC, Big Ten, or Notre Dame. Right now they've taken their three SEC in that span. They've got two Big Ten teams. I think it was 2016 Michigan and 2017 Wisconsin. Um, so they could take Penn State and satisfy that contractual agreement. Now, they don't have to because they do have a couple more opportunities down the road, I think, until 2024 where they can pop a, a Big Ten team in there. But I do. I think you're going to see Tennessee ranked above Penn State in the college football playoff rankings. I just don't really think it matters. To me, what does Tennessee have written all over it? SEC team limping across the finish line, and the G5 team is just salivating. We saw this with UCF years ago. We saw it even way back with, like, Boise State, Utah knocking teams off, TCU, like, this used to happen where you'd get a bad finish from a team that thought they were going to be in the national title, and it's just disaster. When they have to go play a G five team, to me that's Tennessee this year, and everybody's chalk about Tulane. Tulane, you know, UCF might beat Tulane. Yeah. So yeah, I don't want to play a three loss team when you're ten and two in in one of the best divisions in college football, and you got to play nine and three or ten and three or whatever it would be. UCF that'd be terrible. So, and it's a lose lose situation in that because you win, nobody cares. I mean, it'll be fun for the fans, I guess, and the players to go out like that. But you lose, it's a disaster. Now, you go up against a Clemson, totally different story. Clemson is a shell of themselves this year, and I think we all know that. But they're still Clemson, and they're still coached by Davo Sweeney. So you still get that chance to go knock off Clemson. Yeah, that does for recruiting, for program prestige, for the big picture of everything, for Penn State to get a shot at Clemson. I would be drooling over a Penn state Clemson orange bowl, because I honestly think we'd be a five, six point favorite in that game. As crazy as it sounds they're they're a shell of themselves this year. And yeah, I mean, Rose, I feel like just, they're still going to take Ohio state just because it's Ohio state. Right. And they're always going to get preferential treatment over Penn state, but I would love to see the orange bowl. And that's, that's what I'm saying. But logically, I'd say it's about 50-50 split between the Orange and Cotton. It's just nice to be in the New Year's Six conversation and not have to go to Orlando uh, yeah. and play against yeah. who? Like, South Carolina? Maybe. Yeah, in the citrus Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I'm I'm all in for the Orange, and, and, and my heart will skip a beat. It's also great because the game's on December 30th, and a lot of the other games, like the Cotton Bowl's on the January 2nd, you got work the next day. Everybody's got to go back to their stuff. I mean – we we got the Orange Bowl on the thirtieth. You got New Year's yep. Eve after that. New Year's Day. We got two days to party if we win that game. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in for the Orange Bowl. Take me to Miami. I will buy tickets immediately. Orange Bowl or bust.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's really down to and and it's basically like a draft. Okay, if a committee's first on the clock, they're going to select Ohio State or they're going to select Penn State. They're not going to take Purdue. They're not going to take Maryland. So it's really down to the New Year's Six Bowls. And, and the way the Bowls are set up, they are, yes, they are married to that conference for whatever season. So that's why I always refer to that. It's like, well, why can't they be in the Fiesta Bowl or why can't they be in this bowl? Uh, because they that's the conference that they're not picking from. Okay. They're picking whatever. There's, I think the Sugar Bowl is the Big 12 and the SEC. So because I'm seeing projections for Alabama and Kansas State, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, given that everyone anticipates that TCU is going to be in the college football playoff. Now that would change if they lost, but besides the point, these are projections. So uh, given that the orange bowl has a big 10 team that they can pick from and the Rose bowl always has the big 10 team uh, and and that's just going to be the way it is is. 12 and big 10, I either see the Rose bowl taking Penn state up against Washington, even though they played each other a few years back in the Fiesta bowl. Uh, or I have Clemson and Penn State in that Big Twelve, Big Ten, ACC matchup. Um, I, I don't think I actually just don't think that because it was so recent, it was three years ago that the Cotton Bowl would not take Penn State. Now, if they were available, if for whatever reason one of those two, that's the thing though, the Cotton Bowl is picking after, from what I'm understanding, the Rose Bowl and the Orange Bowl. So if that's the case, then Penn State's going to one of those two, um, and I think just from what I've heard. Uh, Since the Rose Bowl doesn't want to take the same team they got a year ago, that's why they're going to go with Penn State. Well, let me ask you this, Zach.
1: Before we go, let me ask you this. Yeah. So I think Georgia and Michigan are chalk, right? Yeah. Even if if an upset were to happen, I know you said if Purdue wins, Michigan falls out of the playoff. I don't know. I think they might have enough to still get in. But let's just say Georgia and Michigan are chalk. TCU can lose, but I think they still have enough to get in. So I think you have three teams that are, are in no matter what. Seeding doesn't okay. really matter. Okay. Right? I feel like TCU did enough. But USC, right? This is win or lose for them. Win you're in, lose you're out. So if USC were to fall to Utah for a second time this season, bumping Ohio State back into the playoff, Rose Bowl's wide open, right? It's, gar- so it's State, guaranteed.
0: If if Michigan right. and Ohio State are in the playoff, it's guaranteed Penn State. I, I, I would put now, everything I own on that. <laughs>
1: Here's the interesting part of that. So Rose Bowl, a lock for Penn State in that case. But do you get USC or do you get Utah? Because if USC loses to Utah, that's twice that they lost to Utah this season. Now, you'd like to play USC, right, in that case. But I think the Rose Bowl may say, well, Utah's a Pac-12 champ. We are obligated to take the Pac-12 champion if they're not in the playoff. So I don't really want that to happen either because I don't want to play a three loss team. I want somebody with two losses or less. Right. And it just seems fair at that point that we would go up against a similar opponent in the ranking. So it could all shake up. I mean, I played USC before the UCLA game to make the playoff. I got it at plus 500. It was great value and played them to win the PAC 12. And I played them to make the playoff. And I do think they're going to win on Friday night in Vegas. Um, So, The top four teams tomorrow are my college football playoff pick to get in. And then I would have uh, Ohio State into the Rose Bowl, and I would have Penn State into the Orange and Tennessee into the Cotton. That's how I think it will shake out. It's not looking like people agree with me in the projections. Tennessee has been slotted above Penn State, like I said, in basically every single projection I've looked at. I just – I don't understand that logic because if you have a two-loss Tennessee – against a two loss, Alabama, Tennessee beat Alabama head to head. They got the same record and they're higher in the conference standings, believe it or not, technically. So how is Alabama above Tennessee? It's all a mess. And we're going to find out a lot tomorrow.
0: All right. Final question before I let you go, Matt. uh, And that is the more of the 2023 outlook. Do you see this team as 10 and two, 11 and one, 12 and 0, They got a pretty favorable schedule, if I'm being honest. Uh, The better Michigan team now is at home in Beaver Stadium. And the Ohio State team, who I think is going to take a step back, because if they make a bold move and switch coaches, uh, C.J. Stroud's no longer there, and you're going to lose your quarterback. I think Kyle McCourt's capable, but I don't think that he's C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields by any means. So I really think Penn State can reclaim – the big 10 East next year with everything they have. And I know that they're going to build in the transfer portal, get a wide receiver, get a linebacker. uh, And then they have this class coming in. So uh, is that the case? Or are they going to be kind of that third team once again?
1: Really tough to say. I think that it's nice because the way the schedule sets up, you got a tough spot at Illinois. I think early in September to open conference play, which again, just disgusting that the conference allows us to have. And I think they do it on purpose at this point. But, yeah, that's besides the point, I think. You can go 6-0 again and and go into Columbus. And there's a nice spot in the schedule where you're at Northwestern, who's dismal, then you have a bye week, and then you have UMass. So, basically, you have a lot of time to prepare for Ohio State, right? So, the schedule sets up nicely. Um, Buckeyes may take a step back next year, as you mentioned, a mess there right now. Ryan Day brings in Jim Knowles to prevent exactly what happened on Saturday and how they got beat. So what do you do? Do you get rid of Jim Knowles? you, you brought him in so that this wouldn't happen and it, it repeated itself. So anyway, I think they could be down. I've hearing a lot about Ohio state, maybe taking a step back. I think you could have a number one or number two, Michigan coming into happy Valley on November 21st next year. I've already circled that one on the calendar a possible release date for a song. Uh, I should have said that maybe before that, but anyway, I will, I'm not going to make an official prediction right now, just because a million things could happen. You always have a transfer that like really shakes things up, right? Like Mitchell Tinsley or who, like who's Penn State going to bring in? Who's going to be that Chop Robinson? I know they're going to go portal hunting and they're They might get somebody who wants to play with Drew Aller and wants to be part of this offense or yeah. even defensively. So let me see how things shake out first. But I think that they will continue to get better. And I am so excited to watch that two headed monster of Singleton and Allen in year two. If they, if those guys can stay healthy, that's going to be special. And this offensive line could be one of the best in the country with the depth they now have coming back. So it will be exciting. There might be some growing pains for Drew early on, but like I said, you got, you got an easier path than I think maybe most teams have. You don't have a huge non-conference game. You don't got to go down to Auburn and play an SEC yeah. game. Like, so I think it sets up nicely. And I think that if there was ever a year, right, it, it, it should be next year. And I just know that the hype is going to be through the roof and, Me and you both, we love when this team is underrated. I don't know if they're going to get that next year. You open the top 25 AP September unranked. That's not going to be the case next year. So with, with expectations come reality. So you have to kind of shed between both. And I just hope that they can take the next step forward as a program, finally get over this hump and beat Ohio State or Michigan. Or both.
0: Matt, I always enjoy when we get the chance to do this. Uh, We've done two episodes now, so I'm going to look forward to it again in the future when uh, big off-season news comes around and we get to talk about it. So thank you for coming on to the show.
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Always have a fun time with you, Zach, and uh, hopefully see you at the bowl game.
0: My name is Zach Saco. Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Penn State fans, we made it. End of the football season. I can't believe it. It is bittersweet. Uh, But throughout this week and, of course, over the course of the offseason, I'm going to recap 2022 in full. Uh, Penn State's going to make some changes, so be sure to subscribe to Locked on Nittany Lines on YouTube. Make sure you follow wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the account on Twitter at Locked on Nittany, and make sure you hit notifications on YouTube, Twitter, wherever you get your podcast. so you know that when a new episode is posted, you will know right away. Thanks so much for tuning in, as always, and I'll talk to you soon.